Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name's Glenn Fairburn and I'm here with my co-host Nathan Leo. We're proudly brought to you by Hewison Private Wealth, one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Today we'll be discussing 2017, have a bit of a year in review and also have a bit of a chat about what we think might happen in 2018. So look, hope you enjoy the podcast and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Money Mentors Podcast. Uh, This is our our 12th and our final podcast for the year, 2017. So Glenn and myself thought it'd be a great opportunity to have a look back throughout the, the year of 2017 and look at some of the, um, you know, the big events in terms of financial markets um, and I guess the financial planning world, uh, some, some important things that happened throughout the year. So Glenn, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll throw it over, over to you. We've got a couple of things we want to talk about, but what, what was your, a couple of your key takeouts for the, the year that just passed? Yeah, I think one of the um, key takeouts for this year, if we just focus on the share market to begin with, I mean, I think it's been a really solid year um, not just in Australia, but obviously driven by overseas markets. Um, and do, I you suppose think, do you think that was unexpected, Glenn? Like if you put yourself back at the start of the year, do you think that has taken people by surprise? I think a little bit. I mean, as we've spoken about in a few previous podcasts, leading in towards the end of last year, there probably wasn't a lot of optimism in particular with the results of the US election. I think previous to the election, there was a lot of concern that if Donald Trump was victorious, that it may negatively impact the share market. But I think that... Um, you know, the election victory has probably given people a little bit of confidence in that Trump may be a little bit more business friendly. Um, so that that's sort of, I suppose, trans, translated over to the share market where we've had a really, really strong result. Um, there's been continued optimism. Obviously, interest rates have remained fairly low in Australia and over in the US. Um, so, I mean, you know, we've had a really strong performance across the market. I mean, the bull market in the US has continued. So, um, in, so in terms of the, the, the stats... Um, for the for the year, basically as we stand today, uh, so global shares in Australian dollar terms have have uh, generated a, a return of fifteen point five percent, so quite a strong year, and Australian shares have generated a return of nine point eight percent. So not yeah. bad returns, are they? No, I mean that, that's 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 they're really solid results. But but I think you know if we're looking back over the last twelve months at lessons to be learned, um, I mean how many times have we heard? In particular, when when reviewing the U.S. market and valuations, that you know the market looks expensive, it might come off. I, I think just having those short-term views, um, you know, looking at the, the results that, we've, that have been achieved in the last twelve months, sort of teaches you that lesson not to be too short-sighted and just to buy assets, hold for the longer term. Because if you were trying to jump in and out of the market, um, you could have missed out on those really really solid returns. So, so do you think that? I mean, obviously, the, a lot of people have got it wrong, in particular with the US market, haven't they, where they were saying that, you know, from a price-to-earnings perspective, it was looking expensive, but it's continued to roll on, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, keep, it's keep running, kept running, that's for sure, and we've probably spoken about a few times on our podcast about the, the, the danger of making predictions, and, and that's why we're all for just building a high-quality, diversified portfolio uh, and 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 whatever the market does, you should be able to handle. Yeah, and I think also it hasn't been all smooth sailing. I mean, there's been a lot of probably more so geopolitical events that have affected the volatility in markets. I mean, obviously one of the key one was the 
tensions around North Korea. There was a lot of concern about that, how you know how that might might sort of play out. But you know, I, I think that once again that short term fear the markets may react to. But in the end, if you try and speculate around what, what might happen and then you get it wrong, you can miss out on some really good returns. So I think once again reiterating to take that longer term view because in the short term I think anything's possible. So if you look at the the key factors that people were sort of looking at that may sort of hold back the share market, obviously the geopolitical risk um, in North Korea, but also interest rates. I mean, they've been spoken about for a number of years now, in particular in the US, where many people thought that interest rates there would have risen probably more rapidly than what they have. Um, but once again, trying to pick that and you get it wrong, then you can miss out on some returns. So I, I think that they're probably the key themes if we're looking at the share market that have driven the volatility. But in the end, it's you know if we look from start to finish it's been a very solid year yeah it has and, and another a couple of other i mean you just started talking about a few economic indicators and probably commodity prices through threw a few people off um i think they've probably continued to rise a little bit more than than some people would have expected yeah i mean if we look at sort of the beginning of last year th- there was massive concerns about a slowdown in china and so forth and that obviously impacted our market um i mean the price of commodities has, has recovered quite strongly um, and, and that has helped our share market because we are so heavily linked to the performance of resources. You know, the companies like BHP, um, Rio and Fortescue, and they, they tend to drive a fairly significant portion of our market. So, yeah, the strength in the commodities has, has really helped our market. Mm. Okay, so maybe another, another key theme throughout the year and arguably one of the, one of the, the, more, the more bigger ones and in particular in the last three months i'd say uh probably the biggest talking point is probably that of uh cryptocurrencies you'd you'd argue that that's one of the biggest events oh, for 2017 i mean this time last year i don't think we we're even talking about cryptocurrencies maybe bitcoin came up a few times but i think it's really gathered a lot of momentum probably since the middle of this year i think it'd be fair to say where i think everyone has has had discussions or or you know been involved in in discussions that have you know in some ways spoken about bitcoin and now we're now we're sort of it's becoming more broader where a lot of the other cryptocurrencies have become i suppose somewhat thematic so i mean that's been a huge news story the continued you know buoyant performance of, of that currency you know of that investment so to speak so i think it's been huge i think and and the reason is that the sharp we'll talk about bitcoin in particular the sharp rise in 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 the price over the course of the year and it, it started at about a thousand dollars us for one bitcoin at the at the start of the year and and look i've lost count every every day it's jumping around but i think it's around is it is it 16 15 16 odd thousand us at the moment yeah i mean it's the the, the the increase has just been phenomenal i mean just the so 15 it's gone up say 15 times over the over the year which is which is huge yeah isn't and it? It, yeah exactly <laughs> i mean we, we've yeah, it's been a really difficult one to gauge because I think that, you know, as as market observers, you sort of look at that phenomenal increase and you think you almost start getting a little bit nervous. You know, it's the old Warren Buffett thing. Is it time to get fearful now because we've had such a rapid increase? And, and when you look at the graph, you know, the chart of its of its value, it's just, it's exponential. Like you just, it, it's hard to see how it's all going to play out, to be honest. I know we're going to have a bit of a chat about what we think might happen in 2018 but I think that whole story where you know everyone's becoming a lot more interested everyone's trying to jump on board that you know the wave of optimism surrounding 
blockchain and Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'd, I'd be I'd be questioning whether most people even understand what's what's happening. But we we, we spoke about this in in a lot of detail in a I think it was about our fourth podcast fourth or fifth yeah. podcast around around Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So so feel free to go back and have a have a, a listen to that podcast. Um, but one one observation I was going to make is over the last. Uh, I feel like over the last month in particular, the amount of new cryptocurrencies that are kind of popping up out of the woodwork, there's there's a lot, isn't there? There is, but look, for me, um, you know, when I first started out in financial planning, it was almost coming towards the end of the the tech boom. And all I remember back then was pretty much anything that had .com at the end of it just had this, you know, phenomenal growth. Uh, And there was a news story overnight where it was, a company in the US, Long Island Ice Tea, had changed their name to Long Island Blockchain, and their their share price went up like a thousand percent. It just it's starting to, you know, sound a lot like a bubble where anything that's got blockchain or Bitcoin attached to it, even though it's not even involved in that part of the business, people are getting attracted to. So, yeah, it's looking. Um, in my view, it, it's time to, I, su- I suppose, take a step back and just see what you know where, where you think things are at. It's looking like a bubble to me. Yeah, I feel like we've spoken about this a lot and, and I know I've personally written a few blogs on this recently so uh, and I'd encourage people if they want to delve deeper into it, please yeah, look at our the Heels and Private Wealth website and have a look at some blogs or our previous podcast. But look, I, sh- I probably share similar views and one thing I'm saying to people is if you if you do want to put a little bit of money in, 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 in a Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency, treat it more as a as a bit of a punt or a bit of speculation. Don't, don't put your life savings into it. That's probably my key message because I, I tend to have a... Similar view to you on that. Yeah, and look, I, I, as, as I said, I think we both agree there. And I'd, I'd be keen to have, I think people would be interested to see what our thoughts are over the next 12 months as to what might happen. Um, but perhaps we can, we can come back to that. Um, I suppose the next main thing, you know, as advisors and looking at major issues or major changes within the financial services sector, I suppose the huge super changes that were announced in the budget last year came into effect from 1 July. So that was, I suppose, one thing that impacted a lot of people that, you know, if they look back in the, over the last 12 months to see, you know, what, what changes have, have, have occurred and what may have impacted their financial position, I, I would say that for, for many people, in particular those pre-retirees or post-retirees, uh, the super changes were, were, were quite significant, weren't they? Yeah, look, definitely sweeping sweeping changes that were announced in the last year's May budget, which, as you said, came into effect from from one July this year, and and look, yeah, they were probably quite significant. Probably the the, the biggest round of superannuation superannuation changes we've had in in many years now. Um, I, I guess probably the the key thing that sticks out to me is anybody with over uh, a member balance of one point six million is going to start to to pay a little bit of tax when previously um, their earnings may have been tax free in the superannuation environment. Is it, is it fair to say that in I suppose in some ways that change um i mean obviously it's significant but superannuation it's still a fantastic tax structure i mean the worst case scenario is that the amount that you've got above 1.6 you're still only paying 15 percent tax on the earnings on that amount so i think it has been portrayed as like a really bad change but look in the end it's probably not as significant is it as well perhaps a lot of people had thought when you really sort of you know dig deep and, and as to what the impact might be because even people who have got $2 million in super, the fact is they're probably still not going to pay tax because a lot of them were still getting tax refunds. So, yeah, obviously a massive change but probably not as bad an outcome as perhaps a lot of people thought going into it. 
it's probably the kind of thing if you give somebody something and then take it off them, yeah. they get annoyed. And I know we've said a couple of times, or I've said a couple of times, you know, you wish that the government that initially put it in, why give such a generous tax concession in the first place? It was probably never going to hang around for forever anyway, where you yeah. can have unlimited money in superannuation and, and pay zero tax on it. It's a pretty... Yeah, and, and yeah. that's been our biggest gripe with all the changes, isn't it? the actual that they're making changes so frequently i mean as you said it's been i think it was seven years ago if not like almost 10 years ago now where the simple super came in and sort of sweeping changes and you sort of set up strategies and so forth to accommodate those changes and hopefully put yourself or your clients in a you know in a better position for retirement and then for many people who are approaching retirement a lot of those strategies now are impacted by that because obviously one of the other main changes was the reduction in the ability to actually contribute to superannuation so i suppose we keep hearing that we need to start funding our own retirement but then on the other hand we get these changes coming in that one limit the ability to put personal funds in so the non-concessional contribution being only a hundred thousand dollars per financial year now and and obviously the concessional or employer deductible contributions are only twenty five thousand. so mm. you know there are some conflicted messages but perhaps just, that's just the climate that we have to become accustomed to yeah, it's becoming less and less advantageous. It's harder to get money into superannuation and it's also uh, you, you're not getting the tax concessions or they're not as generous as they once were. Um, having you know, having said that, the the government, as they do, is trying to balance their books and, and you know, trying to bring us closer to a surplus. So there's a, you know, there's a political angle to it, obviously, where governments are trying to think short-term or they are thinking short-term, and, um, but superannuation is a long-term savings vehicle so look it's a bit of a mismatch there but i guess one thing i often say is all you can do is work within the the rules that you're given so yeah, th- it is that, what it is yeah and that also stresses the importance of starting early as well doesn't mm. it not not waiting until you're five years out of retirement to start focusing on accumulating assets to provide for yourself when you do stop work i suppose with the lower contribution caps that that as i said further stresses the importance of of having that contribution strategy started a lot sooner so you can get more into that mm. what, what still is a very tax-effective structure. Okay, so that, that that's the uh, the third kind of key event in 2017 we've spoken about. Uh, the, the next thing, I think we kind of touched on it, but we'll, uh, we'll just go over a few other points perhaps is just the economy in general. Um, I think you touched on, on a few points earlier around uh, inflation and, and global tensions. And I, I guess gen- generally speaking, it was a... It was a fairly smooth year for the economy overall. Not nothing too. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was any. There was too many surprises. I mean, I suppose the positive thing is that the U.S. economy has just continued to go from strength to strength. I mean, the unemployment's really low. Corporate earnings have been really strong. Obviously, um, helped along by the low in, um, in inflation rate. Um, interest rates haven't risen that significantly or at a rapid rate, which is, I suppose, good for the share market. Um, so from an economic perspective, obviously the U.S. is doing well. There's even signs that that Europe is sort of coming out of their very low growth, low inflation environment. So that, look, there seems to be a lot of positive signs. I mean, in particular this year, there hasn't been really anything that's that's rocked the boat too much. Aside from those geopolitical issues, you know, we've spoken about um, North Korea, um, some issues with oil. I mean, the oil price has risen a little bit, but that hasn't been inflationary. I mean, inflation rates globally are still quite low. Um, so touch wood, I mean, it's it's been a fairly benign sort of economic environment, hasn't it? Mm. Even in, in Australia's case, the the RBA hasn't, I, I don't think we moved on rates all year, 1.5%. And that doesn't look like going anywhere, does it? 
possibly could be a pretty benign 2018 as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, in terms of Australia, any other observations? I think we, you know, property um, had had still a fairly strong year. There, there was probably talk towards the, the, the back end of the year that you know, pra- perhaps Sydney and, and maybe to a lesser degree Melbourne may have slowed somewhat. Yeah, I think there are signs that that's slowing and I think that probably pleases the RBA. I mean, I suppose banks have been have have raised rates outside of the RBA, and I suppose that's a key thing to bear in mind. Is that although the RBA has been fairly stable with their interest rate policy, um, as a lot of analysts have probably seen, that banks have tightened their lending criteria, and, and that seems to have slowed the property market because that has been a bit of a concern. I think not only for the RBA but also the government that the property market has been um, in sort of bubble territory. So. Look, I think there are signs that that's slowing. Um, there hasn't been a massive correction. As, as you were saying, it started off pretty well. Um, but I think it's been fairly controlled. There doesn't seem to be any you know, alarm bells ringing at this stage. And, and, and during the year, Australia um, has hit 26 years now without a recession, which I believe is the, the longest run ever, ever by recorded. Any country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So and look, we've spoken about this previously where... Um, Obviously, we had a we had a we had a GFC global financial crisis about ten years ago. But given, I guess, where Australia is located and our natural resources and the and the China demand, Chinese demand for our natural resources, we uh, we guess we kind of got out of that without too many uh, issues, didn't we? Yeah, I suppose that that's a key thing in that probably and, and probably something that we need to look at going forward is it was probably nothing that we did in particular that helped us. It was really those external influences wasn't it i mean it was basically china that saved us from the global financial china, crisis yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's probably a lingering concern within our economy isn't it we seem i mean we obviously are quite small and we have to understand that but we still seem to be very um heavily correlated to what happens offshore um, in particular in that resource commodities sector so maybe it's something that you know governments need to be looking at to continue to drive our growth and make, make us competitive on a world scale definitely definitely so perhaps looking forward to 2018 to next year, um, look, it's we've spoken we've spoken about in, in previous podcasts that making predictions is dangerous, but perhaps we'll just have a, a little bit of a discussion in terms of what we think might play out. Uh, Glenn, have you got any any comments around what that might look like? Yeah, look, as, as you were saying, I mean, we, we always hate making predictions, but um, for the sake of the podcast, we'll, we'll try and do our best to, to not sit on the fence too much. Uh, look, I think, I mean, just recently, obviously, the US has passed some fairly considerable um, tax reform where they're dropping the corporate tax rate from 35% um, to um, 21%, I think it is. So, I mean, that that obviously is quite good for US companies or even Australian-based companies that have operations in the US. Um, whether a lot of those changes have been factored into the market, only time will tell. Um, but I suppose from a share market perspective, if you're looking at what's the what are the threats in the next 12 months to perhaps slow that down, I suppose if the um, U.S. Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates rapidly, that might be a risk. Um, which is which is the, the the general consensus is that the Fed is going to start consistently hiking next year. Yeah, I think they're probably looking at maybe four rate hikes next year. Mm-hmm. Is sort of the consensus view. Um, but but look, I, I think when you're looking at and when you're hearing um, comments around valuation. It's important to sort of take take that for what it is. I mean, the simple fact is that when you're looking at 
what's expensive on the US market. I mean, a lot of our listeners may, may be familiar with the fangs. So when you're looking at Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, um, I mean, those companies have risen quite considerably and may look expensive, but it may be that the rest of the market is, 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 is trending, you know, okay. So I think it's you know it's all good and well to say the market looks expensive, but what is the market and what's and what is made up or what's making up the market? Is it just four or five companies that are driving the performance and making it look expensive? Because there may be still some good value, um, and especially with as you said earlier with the with the tax cuts in the US, that's going to help a lot of businesses as well. Well, hopefully it helps businesses. Hopefully it gives more money for you know. The everyday consumers to spend more and that's always you know a stimulating effect for the economy and whether that flows into us only time will tell mm. probably yeah you, you spoke about threats and if, if the fed does start hiking we all know that that can that can spook share markets because if, you know money there might investors might be more inclined to move money out of a share market into income producing investments such as bonds so look i suppose that in terms of risks i, I think that is definitely one yeah i, I think what one thing that i'd probably be um pretty keen to sort of mention is that just because bull markets continue and they're the longest bull market of all time i like personally i wouldn't be too concerned about that i mean as i was saying earlier i mean if you're trying to predict a short-term you know correction or whatever it may be you can get it wrong and if, if the market as people did two years ago yeah i mean they've been calling fact- for it that's right you have mm. to factor in that yes it is a, a record bull market but we're also recovering from you know, a global financial crisis that saw the market fall 50%. So you've got to factor all those things in, into the equation as well. Um, I think glo- globally, um, I, th- I think we've touched on it, but like globally, uh, you know, most economies are in okay condition. I think we spoke about, I mean, spoke about we, the US. Yeah, we've spoken about the US. Spoke um, about Ch- China is um, continuing to... Surprise people, I guess people have been calling for well, their... Well, they've held it together, haven't they? I mean... People have been calling for their demise for years now and, and they've just year after year, they've continued to um, right. perform well. Obviously, they kind of publish their own statistics, but their demand for, for example, a lot of our raw materials hasn't slowed down, which is a key indicator. Yeah, I think a lot of people have got that China story wrong. We've been hearing about hard landings for, I would say, the better part of five, six, seven years, if not longer, um, and it hasn't happened. Um, Europe's had their their troubles, but from all reports, they seem to be working their way through. Obviously, look, we didn't actually mention Brexit earlier, yeah, which was that's, key, that's a <laughs> prob- good point. Probably was a big a big event that took a lot of people by surprise. But well, that was last year Brexit. I, th- I suppose the you know time goes by very quickly. Yeah, but um, I suppose that that could be a threat as to how that plays out. I mean, I, I don't think the UK is getting all their own way with how they tend to you know how they're planning that exit. But I don't. You know, from what we've seen so far, I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as what perhaps people thought it would be. Mm. Yeah, probably the... Uh, look, I know there is still talk of the, uh, like, geopolitical risks. I mean, I don't think the... In terms of looking forward anyway for next year, I mean, this whole North Korea thing, I, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily going to go away. Depending on what happens, Yeah, anyone can have a, a view on that. But I think in terms of the discussion around it, I don't necessarily think it's going to go away. I don't think it's going to go away, but I think in 12 months' time when we're sitting down here, there, there'll be something that's happened that came out of nowhere. That we won't know about, yeah. And I think that's a simple, you know, mm. if we're looking at geopolitical risks, there's always a geopolitical risk. And people, I think, think that now... Um, it's it's as unstable as what it's ever been because of but social media. Because, exactly yeah. right. That's what I was going to say. But if you actually look, 
um, at, at comparing now with history, arguably it's the safest period in history. It's just that because of the flow of news, whether it's social media or just the speed of news flow, we, we're aware of things so quickly. Whereas in the past, you wouldn't even know of something that was happening on the other side of the world. So, you know, as far as conflict, obviously there's never stable periods across the world. But if we compare it to historical, um, it's not a bad time to be running a business and, and living really. Mm. Yeah, there's been, there's been um, you know, wars and conflicts going on for throughout the whole history of yeah, time basically. Of I don't know if, if today is necessarily any different no, than, than I mean, previous years. It's just, just as you lo- said, it's highly publicised Look now. at the last hundred odd years. We've, we've had two world wars, multiple conflicts and what's happened with the economies, they've still continued to grow. The share market's grown, property values have grown. Um, so look, in the next 12 months, who knows what's going to happen, but um, I think the key is just take that long-term view. Okay, Glenn. Well, I think that was a, a pretty good discussion um, in terms of a bit of a recap, end of the year, timely to have a have a look at what's happened throughout the year just gone. Just just before, yep. sorry, Nate, just before we, we wrap it up, I'm just, I suppose, keen to just get your view and I've got my views and I think a lot of people would be interested to hear what's going to happen with cryptocurrencies next year. Next year. Okay. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I talk about not making predictions, but as you said, for the sake of the podcast and not sitting on the fence, I'll, I'll tell you my view. I, I think there will be a, a significant correction at some point in time, and I'll say, I'll say next year. Um, my biggest fear is that a lot of the smart money will, and when I say smart money, the people got in, that got into it early at the start that may have been cashing out, but with the significant rise over the last few months, they're going to be getting their money out. So at the moment, the thing that's been pushing the Bitcoin price up so much has been all the buyers. We all know what's been driving the price of Bitcoin up is supply and demand. And when there's more buyers than sellers, a lot more buyers than sellers, the price just skyrockets up. Now, I think there might be an inflection point where that'll that'll change and that'll obviously drive the the price down. So to answer your question, and, and sorry, before I say that, with also the have a look on social media and there's all these other, um, you know, t- Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin equivalents or whatever, Crypto- cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies popping up every day like um, Litecoin and you name it. There's all these things popping up and people are talking about starting their own cryptocurrencies now. And I just think with all the flood of supply um, and also central banks, uh, central governments, I should say, governments around the world are starting to look at if they can create their own cryptocurrencies. There's going to be perhaps flood of supply, so I think there could be more sellers than buyers, and that could drive the price down. So I'm probably like you, a little bit uh, cautious. Yeah, look, I, I probably share those views. I mean, the, the, a couple of the key things that I keep thinking about is okay, what was the reason why cryptocurrencies were developed to begin with, and it's ultimately to, to, to transact, okay, so to mm. buy goods and services, and that's not happening at the moment, and it's, it's very difficult. I was talking to someone the other day, and just to transact with bitcoin the costs are still quite high but the simple fact is that when you look at it purely as a means of um, transacting Mm. people aren't using it to transact they're speculating now if you have an asset and you think it's going to go up you're not going to spend it so it's actually not fulfilling the purpose that it was designed for people aren't using it to transact they're using it to speculate Mm. and i I just think that if it's not going to be used as a currency as you were saying there's going to be an inflection point but Aside from that, 
aside from the um, the issues that seem to be developing, um, it just looks like a classic bubble. I mean, we, we spoke about the um, tulip bulb craze in the 1600s. If you read that story and you replace tulip bulbs with Bitcoin, it's identical. If you look at the graphs, you know, the, the, the growth, it's, it's almost exactly the mm. same. It's the same with the, as I said earlier, with the tech boom of the early 2000s. Mm. Anything that had dot-com was going up. It just seems to be that classic bull market. Um, I mean, I personally think there's probably got a little bit to run still. There's not that euphoria that the greed hasn't probably kicked into the full extent yet. Um, but, you know, we continue to espouse the, the comments of, you know, one of our favorites, Warren Buffett. And I think, you know, he, he always says, be, be fearful when others are greedy. I think people are getting greedy and I think it's mm. time to get a little bit fearful. Sure. I don't think it's going to drop off the hill tomorrow. Um, but I think that time's coming. <laughs> Without sounding like a pessimist. But, but, but as I often say, I'd rather be five months too early exactly. than five minutes too late. Yeah. So you'd rather get out now, let it, let it run for a bit than, than kind of be five minutes too late. And I, I shared, you mentioned Warren Buffett and I shared a, um, a, a video from, from Ray Dalio, one of the, w- w- known as one of the world's best yeah. investors. And, and he's a skeptic as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, just a couple of points. You kind of touched on it, but just a couple of points that he made that I thought were really pertinent about Bitcoin was the purpose of a currency is to be easy to transact with, which you just said there, and people have trouble using Bitcoin and to well, transact. stability as well, isn't it? Like, why would you have a, I mean, a currency that's as volatile as what Bitcoin is? Yep. You know what? What if if I'm well, if which if is I'm, the second point, which I was about yeah, to say, okay, and on. and store of wealth. Yeah, exactly. So it's a store of wealth, and and obviously with the volatility up or down, is that yeah. a good store of your wealth? So Ray, in a in a short video he did about a three minute video, which I thought was great, talked about because Bitcoin um, doesn't really tick the boxes on those two key measures. Um, you know, is it a is it a is it a good place to hold your hold your wealth? Definitely. I mean, yeah. I would encourage people to actually go on YouTube and just just search for Ray Dalio cryptocurrency. It's a really good short video. It's not overly complicated, just really easy to understand. And I think it gives a really good explanation and outlook. Mm. Okay, so so yeah, we'll wrap up there, Glenn. So we spoke about 2017 in, in, in terms of it was a fairly uh, benign year. We spoke about how share markets were, were quite strong, a bit stronger than expected. We spoke about the cryptocurrency craze that really took hold. Um, some of the superannuation changes that that came into effect mid-year um, and also we had a, a general discussion around the economy and then had a little bit of a look forward into 2018. So as I said at the start, this is our, our final podcast for 2018. We've as I said, we have we've completed twelve podcasts now, um, and it's it's look it's been really great. We we, we continue to um, welcome the feedback and, and look forward to having you on next year's podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to our final podcast for 2017. Please remember to search for Hewison Private Wealth um, at www.hewison.com.au. You can also search via the various social media platforms, um, so LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Please also remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes uh, or contact us at our email address, which is moneymentors at hewison.com. Look forward to seeing you all again in 2018. Have a great Christmas and New Year. All the best.